0: Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of ageing well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the legend co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. We love him to bits. He's Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi, Demo Hello, MP. Nice to be hey. with you again. Oh, I was pumped a- about
1: that? that stress one that we did the other day. That's That's good.
0: There is so much to to talk about, Damo. I want to elaborate on a couple of things with you because in reviewing it, there's a few little gaps in there that I reckon a few people, I'd say a lot of people want a bit more clarity on. So can I hit you with a few questions? Hit me with your best shot. All right, pal. Chemical, physical, emotional stress. (laughs) Do you want to give us a bit more of an insight into, let's drill down. Um, I reckon a lot of us know physical and emotional, but there'd be some bits we don't know and particularly chemical. Do you want to share a bit? Yeah, let's talk about chemical first,
1: okay? So we come into contact with chemical stressors all the time. So um, some of these chemical stressors might be uh, deodorant, some might be smoking, some might be um, drinking fizzy drinks, you know, especially those artificially sweetened ones. It might be um, alcohol, Uh, it could be caffeine. Uh, There's a number of different chemical stressors on the body that can have a negative effect or a positive effect. So it doesn't have to be that coffee is always bad or caffeine is always bad for someone because for some people it can be excellent, but for other people it can be really, really bad. So this is where DNA and genes and the individuality of every single person becomes quite important. So there's those things. You know, there's environmental pollutions like all the PCBs that are floating around, all the... uh, um, what are, they, what are they, there's,
0: uh, there's, The toxins are they, and DDTs DD, and all the yeah, all right. the good abbreviated you names know, because they're so long that we wouldn't even be able to pronounce them. <laughs> all so of that stuff. Them.
1: That's right. All the PARs, What are they called? Polyaromatic hydrocarbons. All of those sorts of things <laughs> that are, you know circulating around in our environment um, that we breathe in on a daily basis means that we've had to evolve to a point that we can actually deal with those chemicals because, you know, had all of those chemicals just been dumped on us all in one big fat go, we probably all would have oh, died. We would have been, it been like yeah. dropping a nuclear bomb on us all, you know, it would have been bad. It's um, phenomenal then, to think, we, isn't it? So, you know, people say we haven't evolved. That's crazy. Oh, it's ridiculous. Golly, we've, evolved. we've evolved. We absolutely evolved. And, and when you consider that um you know, if we brought Encino back Encino Man back, imagine we got Encino Man and we brought him <laughs> into if we brought him into now, he's likely to die immediately because he's never experienced such a massive bombardment of pollution yeah. on his body. You know what I mean? Yeah. So back in the eighties when Encino Man you know, popped into you know, I think it was New York. He actually popped into on um, VHS video. Tape. On VHS video, <laughs> it could have even been Beta. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he survived. But you know, just thirty years down the track, there's been a significant amount of pollution increase. Um, yeah. to, you know, to now.
0: So. There's environmental relations. Uh And all of those chemical stressors then have a biochemical impact on the body. A big Or totally impacts the biochemistry of the body. Yeah, they do. You're not wrong, MP. Like, so all of a sudden your hormones start doing things they shouldn't be. They start producing when they should be asleep and all the other bits and pieces. Yes, that's correct. That's exactly right. So for example, in, last night
1: I held a men's health event you know, here in Melbourne. And uh, we had a bunch of blokes. We all had dinner together. You know, had a, a paleo-inspired you know dinner with des- with dessert, and we all sat around and chatted about men's health. And I, I gave about a 90-minute presentation on men's health. And one of the key things that came up is the way in which all of our bodies respond to these environmental toxins is very, very different. So genetically, we're all programmed to be um, operating at different levels and in different ways in response to different environmental triggers. But the better the environmental triggers that our body is subjected to, the better the response from our genes,
0: essentially. Can I ask you a question on that? Yeah. Because I I love, and I know I've heard this on international podcasts, Omar, so I'm not sure if uh, you've been one of the, the keys in this, but a lot of health authorities are now saying that there is not one person in the world that can have an empowering physiological response to gluten that's That's obviously becoming much more mainstream so for someone that goes and gets a a mainstream can of deodorant from the supermarket and sprays it under their arm every single day for 40 to 60 years I'd be inclined to say there's not one single human being on the planet that could have a positive empowering physiological response to that.
1: Well, I think you're probably right. I don't know whether or not that would have a positive empowering physiological effect. However, some people won't have a negative effect to it either.
0: Like some people won't get breast cancer, let's say. That's exactly right. From
1: an overexposure to chemicals in
0: their deodorant.
1: That's that's Um, exactly right. So if if you just consider the sheer vastness of the numbers of women and men who are using um, aluminium-based deodorants under their arms, not every single one of them is getting some kind of breast cancer or lymphadenopathy, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Okay. So what? So then, if we talk about like the whole sodium lauryl sulfate in the toothpaste and the way that that mimics hormones in the body, and well, you're saying some people are going to be highly sensitive, yes. to an overexposure or in a constant overexposure. Yep. And other people are going to be less sensitive. Yeah. It Doesn't necessarily make it healthy for the person that's less sensitive. That's it true. just means that they're not as as repeat, repeat sensitive to that toxin. Yeah, that's right.
1: Okay. Or cool. maybe it's that their body actually has a better ability to clear it. So in, and when we look at uh, the, the genes and we look at their body's um, detoxification pathway, so we consider genetics and we look at uh, whether or not your liver can clear out You know x y and z toxins and whether or not your body's ability to utilize phase one and phase two detoxification pathways efficiently when we consider all of that then we can start to determine whether or not uh, these sorts of chemicals are actually risks for you or they're not you don't need to worry about it too much because your body's actually very efficient at clearing it out so there could be other signals that might be more risky for you than say an aluminium based deodorant
0: okay can i ask you another question then yeah you know, the person, this would be Sarah and I, and I'm sure there'd be lots of people out there that are like this. You know, yeah. Sarah, um, if she has a if she has a cup of coffee, yeah, which probably happens once every two years, she's up all day, speaks a million miles a minute, feels a real rush in her body, and she doesn't like it, so that's why she doesn't drink coffee, would have trouble going to sleep, real adrenaline, adrenaline kind of like rush, and <sighs> has the shakes, so her hands shaking, ca- cannot stop. Whereas I am more inclined to say, if I have a a coffee, which I probably have about three a year, but I don't feel it. I, I, um, I don't get a rush. I'm not having trouble going to sleep. But then there's a part of me, just from what I've learned, would be more to say, well, it's not necessarily a healthy response to not feel the effects of coffee. Because then the question is, well, what's happening in your body to not... Allow you to feel the effect of caffeine within the body, but maybe there's something I'm missing there. What would because there'd be lots of people that are like, "Yep, I respond Sarah's way to coffee," and there'd be other people that go, "I don't really feel coffee." Yeah. Um, in terms of what you said there about the whole detoxification pathways, yeah. Um, what What happens there? So that's a great
1: question. What's interesting about all of this is that. Uh, you can be a a fast or a slow metabolizer of caffeine and so the degree to which you metabolize caffeine will be the degree to which you respond to caffeine Um, or not be but will reflect your degree to which you respond to it so um, a fast metabolizer uh, will, will will probably not respond um, too much to caffeine in fact may need more caffeine to actually have a real hit from it a slow metabolizer. which is why
0: people ask for a double shot latte because the one the one shot wasn't they weren't feeling a rush pretty much pretty much or it could be that they're asking for a double shot latte
1: three or four times a day before they actually feel the hit you know, so it, you know, and I'm that kind of person as well. So I'm a bit like you, MP. Um, I don't get anything really from ca- caffeine or coffee except for the flavour, which I love. It I, tastes I, nice. Yeah. I love it, right? I love it yeah. bits. Um, But I don't really feel it. Like I don't get all buzzy and stuff. I already talk fast and I already move fast and I do lots. So, you know, <laughs> even when I'm not on caffeine, so it's not really a, a big thing for me. With someone like Sarah, who's a slow metaboliser potentially of caffeine, sounds like she is. She's a slow yeah. metaboliser. She's going to have a very significant effect. Um, to, to the caffeine
0: yeah, essentially absolutely. because it's in her body for longer is that, well, is that what I'm gleaning here yeah she doesn't
1: clear it out she doesn't clear it out so it's circulating for longer
0: that's right yeah, and that would be really um, does that change I'm just thinking when you're talking about stress like if, if, if someone's under stress um, if I'm under stress right Yes. I know that my digestion um, is going to slow down when I'm under stress correct because I don't need my digestive system so much well, it's interesting because it depends again on the way in which you deal with stress. So let's go into the response
1: of the body to stress. So let's say a stressful event might be a, a saber toothed tiger running around the corner and chasing up the street. Um, you're going to have an immediate fight or flight response, right? And that's, that, that fight or flight response signals the secretion of a hormone called adrenaline. Can adrenaline... we call the
0: saber toothed tiger like going to catch an airplane and you think you're going to be late?
1: Yeah, or your alarm clock, or um, your boss, or maybe it could be waking up to the same person every single day for 20 years, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. So but it, it, it could be that there's some kind of significant stress that starts you off every single day that means that uh, you have a significant adrenal response to um, that that um, event. And uh, and as a result, then you go into a stress and, um, and then... You, know, you divert blood from the gut. So as a res- because your gastrointestinal system is not required for an immediate fight-or-flight response, um, you will dump the contents of your gut. So that might mean for some people they move their bowels very, very quickly. Uh, some people may need to move their bowels a number of times immediately after a, st- a stress. So some people experience a 10-minute evacuation um, after, a, um, after a cup of coffee. So 10 minutes after a cup of coffee, they need to go to the toilet. And um, and that's a normal physiological sympathetic nervous system response to a stressful um, event. So that could have been a fright, could have been anything, but in this case it might have been a caffeine hit. So that that will have an effect. So if we go into an adrenal response, essentially, eventually, we'll go into a cortisol response. Now adrenaline is a performance enhancing hormone that's why caffeine being a performance is considered a performance enhancing drug because it has an effect on the body that stimulates... Band and on improves. the water list. This is it, right? So this is what we're actually having here is an artificial heat of adrenaline, which increases our blood flow to our muscles and our brain, which is improving acuity of our thought and our mindfulness and also the speed at which our muscles can fire by delivering more blood to the area, which brings more oxygen to the area, more nutrient to the area, at the expense of blood supply to the gastrointestinal system. So the gastrointestinal system is considered to be, a, you know, not that important in an adrenal fight-or-flight response. So caffeine um, has an effect that, that, you know, is immediate. So it does enhance your performance. Cortisol, when that kicks in, or cortisone, when it kicks in, so cortisol is what we make, cortisone is a synthetic version of that, um, has a immediate suppressing effect on the body. It's still a stress hormone, but it suppresses the immune system and it suppresses metabolism and it suppresses your body's ability to utilise growth hormones such as um, insulin, for example, or insulin-like growth factor. You know, you actually decrease your body's immediate response to um, the immune system and also to sugars and carbohydrates running through your system. And so subsequently, when cortisol is in your system, you'll store a lot more sugar as fat. And so you, you pack it away and you store it around your midsection. Um, but that also makes you grumpy because you don't get access to sugars and carbohydrates. So everyone around you thinks that you're grumpy and moody, but you think that they're all grumpy and moody. So cortisol is kind of not a, it's not, it's not conducive to the reduction of stress. It's a stress hormone that's a counterproductive stress hormone. So you don't want to have a whole lot of cortisol running through your system because it's not a, it's not a nice or a good place to be. And I often uh, comment about cortisol being the antithesis to a healthy relationship. If you're in a lot of cortisol dump, you're not going to want to walk home and kiss your significant other and give that person a cuddle and then um, experience Because you're just
0: down in the dumps.
1: You're down in the dumps. You've got stinking thinking, cranio digital rectalitis. You've got all these sorts of things going on with your body. And you're not actually going to be able to you know, enhance each other's experience of life and then you know, involve yourself in some more exercise and activity later on in the night. You know what I mean? So your cortisol, <laughs> cortisol is one of those things that you know, creates uh-huh. it's like the cancer of a relationship. You don't want to have a lot of cortisol in your body.
0: Okay, so I may have missed this because you were just that was you were going helpful That just your brain is just oozing greatness right now. But I would have to go back and listen to this. But what would you say then are the triggers for a dump of cortisol in the body? Is everything that we're speaking about here, like is it is it all these things that we're talking about—caffeine and excess caffeine and smoking and soft drink and too much alcohol—or is it is it individual to every single person? Um, it's very individual, Marcus. And
1: remember, before we spoke about the stages of stress—not before, but you know—in our last—the uh, last podcast, yeah—we yeah, spoke about the stages of stress. You go from stress to anxiety to insomnia to depression. This hormone thing that we're talking about follows that same sort of line. So we go from stress, which is adrenaline, into anxiety, which is cortisol, into insomnia, which uh. is melatonin, and then affecting happiness and serotonin—not um, serotonin, melatonin, serotonin—later on. So um, you know, we have a cascading effect on our hormones which uh,
0: that is awesome
1: it just that totally makes it pissed. easy
0: that makes it easy for the so stress is too much adrenaline I Event mean, essentially yeah let's just keep it really simple let's just make it simple yep. anxiety is too much cortisol yes insomnia is that not enough melatonin that's a uh, that's an absence of melatonin yep Yep. Melatonin down, yep. so I'm writing this down here. Yep. And then depression is not enough serotonin.
1: Yes. And the interesting thing is that melatonin kicks in when we relax and we calm down at night, but often we stay in a stressful state, so we actually don't calm down, or watching television, so we get so, massive amounts of input into
0: our mind. Okay, so if we're on TV or if we're on Facebook, what if we're doing work that we love? Because Damien, I mean, you and I have had conversations about this. If I'm up till eleven thirty, reading a good book or Doing some research, that's really like juicing me. That I don't want to go to bed because I'm loving it. Yeah. But then I would say if I do stay up until midnight and I get up at six in or six thirty in the morning, I'm not as I'm not as happy and up and about as if I went to bed at nine thirty and so say got up at five thirty, did an hour of exercise before the kids woke up. Yes. So, but still, I'm trying to weave this in here on those rare occasions where you are firing, like for example, you've got a twenty-first or a thirtieth or a wedding or whatever. Yeah. And you're having good fun. Yes. Do you go through that phase, even though you don't get the same level of sleep? Um, a lack of sleep is actually
1: quite stressful in the body. So that's even important. if you've
0: been having good fun.
1: Even if you've been having good fun. So, but the if, the way in which you deal with the stress is different. So, if you're having good fun, uh, let's say for example you only get three hours worth of sleep. If you're having good fun while you're only getting three hours worth of sleep, then you're more likely to have a positive net effect from that stress yeah. as opposed to if you're getting three hours of sleep and being distressed and upset about it and having a yeah. negative effect from that stress. Does that yeah. make sense?
0: Massive, massive. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's why a lot of, and that's why the whole sleep thing, as much as I'm enjoying going to bed earlier these days, it does have to be some level, it has to be an individual thing at the same time, doesn't it? Because there's people I know that are on less sleep having the best time ever in life, <laughs> and people that are having lots of sleep. But, and they're very strict about their eight hours a night, but they're nowhere near as fulfilled in their life. This is true. This is true. So, yes, okay. Man, this is fabulous. I hope people are having as much fun with this as I am. This is awesome. <laughs> it is cool, um, isn't it? It is really cool. It's really, it's really, okay. All right, so chemical we've really delved into there. That's great. What about physical, the different types of physicals? I reckon there would be some sneaky, silent physical stresses that we are not familiar with yeah this is it so
1: the physical stress is probably the number one physical stress and MP you might I mean I know you know this one already what is the first physical stress that um, that as a newborn baby we, we can't we get into contact with
0: well, are you talking about the birth process? The birth process, that's correct. Yes. I'm talking about that.
1: So, that could be really stressful, right? Some people will just slide on through their mum's vagina. <laughs> so, that sounds
0: terrible. Uh, they, come, they come out the <laughs> other end, and everything's
1: really, really good, you know. Like but they, not they...
0: enough babies, Damien. This is the challenge. A lot of babies don't come out the mum's vagina these days, which is a whole added stress. They come through a zipper itself. Now, that's right. So, they come through a the zipper. zipper. And uh, and you know some people actually
1: choose to have a zipper birth. Uh, it's not good for the baby. It's not any. It's actually more stressful for the baby pulled out by its legs when it's expecting to go out through its you know through a little hole. Um, it's it's not expecting that. It's not ideal for the baby to co- be pulled out through a zipper by its leg. But but not by any stretch of the imagination. Hence the reason why. There's, uh, there's dislocations of the hips and there's concerns about hip dysplasia um, you know, with kids that are born with uh, C-section, there's a decrease in immunity with kids born via C-section there's a whole lot of stuff, now obviously if there's an emergency C-section, that's a modern miracle that's awesome, but yeah. you know, for many people there's, uh, the, the, there's there's not that, you know. It's the the election to have a C-section, so and that's that. I don't think is ideal for the baby. Now it's actually incredibly stressful for the mum to be cut open, um, have her abdominal muscles um, cut, and some of them go, "Oh, it was the best thing I ever did." But I tell you what. Um, your recovery over the next eight weeks is rough. You can't pick up your baby and uh yeah, been, and that's the thing, having around.
0: the um I often think having the surgery by itself if you weren't having a child would be stressful enough, but having it and then having a whole new life in your own life yeah. to be with and look after and nurture. Yeah. As a male, I can only I can't even fathom what that would be like having a massive surgery and a baby. Yeah. Um, at the end of it. That. Normally after a massive surgery you've got a massive rest period.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh-huh. That's right. And there's no rest when you've got to breastfeed a baby. No rest. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay, so that's the big physical one. Um, let's talk about some others. Like, obviously, I would say lack of exercise would be a huge physical stress. Lack of exercise, sed- being sedentary,
1: is probably the number one stress. And last year or a couple of years ago, um, the CAA, uh ran a program called Sit Right. And it was all about sitting, uh, you know, well. But they also put together a program that actually explained what most people really do. And so, most people wake up in the morning to an alarm clock, which is in itself stressful. They uh, they wake up, go have a shower, might brush their teeth. Um, then what they'll do is they'll walk to the the breakfast table, have some breakfast while they're sitting down. And then they'll stand up after having sat down to eat their food. Uh, put their, their dishes in the dishwasher, walk out to the car to then drive to work. Once they drive to work, they walk into the office, sit down while they're in the office, Sit down for ages. Then they might get up to go and have a little bit of a snack or have a little of a wee um, or go and have their morning tea and then they'll go and sit down again for another big block of time before they have lunch, which they walk to the tea room to then sit down again to have some lunch. Then they get up and they'll walk back to the office and sit down for a big, you know, extended period of time to get through to three thirty, four 4 o'clock to when they're really hungry or agitated. And, uh, you know, through the agitation period, they'll maybe get up, walk around, get grumpy, eat some food that's probably not ideal for them, put themselves into stress again, go and sit down again. For the next hour and a half or two hours to close off the day then sit down once they've hopped in the car to drive all the way home through a stressful time get home to then prepare a meal sit down to eat their meal wash the dishes then sit down to watch uh, the television and then walk to the bed to lie down and so for the most part most people are relatively sedentary and they allow themselves about an hour and a half of exercise per day the most inflammatory thing that we do to our body on a daily basis if we don't smoke or you know, drink alcohol is sit
0: down and, sit. Uh, and, and most of us do it all the time it's uh, and it's scary. That's the video you can just YouTube it. It's just I think it's sit right. Um, yeah, I think, CA. it's sit, I think it's, was
1: it sit right Australia.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is. It's very enlightening. A little bit scary at the same time when you see how easily uh, we can fall into those those sitting traps. But I think it was only about seventy two minutes a day that people were standing. Yeah, it wasn't long, was it? It wasn't. It wasn't long. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm standing so, actually while we're recording
1: this. I didn't know if you know that. But
0: I was so. doing some star jumps in between recordings. Um, <laughs> yes, but you're, on, you're on your wireless mic. I'm plugged in at the moment. So yeah, I it. am sitting, but on a balanced disc, mind you. Oh, um, all right. So um, sitting, non-exercise. Um, and then I suppose, Damo, I often think of the technology world, take it to the next level is the, hand, the holding of the, uh, of the phones, the holding of the iPads, I think they've now they've now termed a new condition, iPad neck, um, <laughs> you they? know, but, but they'd even be mobile phone neck because the yeah. amount of time that you are standing or even sitting with your neck bent forward looking at your screen, yeah. whether it's your, your phone or your iPad, You know, five years ago, ten years ago, that wasn't done anywhere near as often. Like the amount of um, impact that would have. Not on your not just on your nervous system and your muscles but surely on your emotions and your hormones would be again we're talking cumulatively over time ten twenty thirty forty fifty years got to be big
1: it's, it's enormous it's an enormous effect on the body you know we see posture related um, you know concerns every single day you know we see children who are getting headaches we see adults with a persistent throbbing at the back of their neck um, we see people with um, such bad posture that when they sit in a chair just to to, you know, do the activities of normal daily living, um, they're in pain or discomfort. Now, pain and discomfort Is uh, is stressful but you know when you register pain or you register discomfort you're only expressing what 10% of your nervous system is actually experiencing so 10% of your nervous system actually signals pain and touch and sense and all of those sorts of things what's interesting and fascinating about this is that 90% of your nervous system which is also affected by your poor posture or your lack of breath or the lack of nutrition or stress 90% 90% of your nervous system actually is addressing and controlling things you have no idea about. So, you know, things that aren't related to touch, a touch or sense or feeling or pain. So you've got nerves that are running and supplying the heart or the liver or the lungs or the kidneys that you don't even know are doing what they're doing, but they're just doing it. And that's part of what's known as autonomic response. And our autonomic nervous system makes up 90% of our total nervous system. And only 10% of our nervous system registers pain. So if you're in pain or discomfort, there's already Function with the nerve flow to those organ systems that you have no idea about, and so this is the reason why chiropractic is so important um, in that regard. But remember, I said at the start of the of the first stress call that we did, Marcus, I said, you know, in understanding the effect of chiropractic on reducing stress in the body, that. That made me decide to go and do a a public talk on this, right? And what I learned, and I learned this through a number of different lecturers, one was James Chestnut and that was Michael Hall, is that the nerve supply that runs up the spine and goes into the cerebellum is is directly related to the nerve supply that actually descends the spine and goes down to the adrenal glands and to the stress response. So when you um, put an impulse like a chiropractic adjustment into the spine at a higher level like the occiput or C1 and that signals movement to the cerebellum the cerebellum then shuts down the immune response oh, sorry not the immune the the, the nervous the nervous response the nervous system response so you can affect stress and get a reduction in stress by getting a, an adjustment to the neck or go out and do some exercise or go and do some stretching moving your your cerebellum movement of the body is a hugely um, effective way to decrease stress and the effect of stress in your body so that's why I also suggest to people they do 30 minutes of just walking every single day because that in itself will decrease the effect of stress on the body by about
0: 50%. Demo, we've gone over time, great man. Again, ha, huh, it's amazing. I know we didn't even cover off the different types of emotional stresses. Far out. Jeez, I can talk, can't I? Um, this is so good. We've got to do more. We have got to do more. So. Well, why don't we find um, out if
1: people want to hear more? Because if they don't want to hear more, then we, you know we, we shouldn't talk about it.
0: Yeah, we'll put it on the Facebook page and and you can let us know comments on the Wellness Catch website on the Facebook page. Do you want more on this stuff? Because we both think it's fascinating and empowering um, and there's so much to cover off. So let us know, facebook.com forward slash 100 not out, all letters, that's O-N-E-H-U-N-D-R-E-D-N-O-T-O-U-T. Um, Do all of that on Facebook um, and you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash Facebook. Leave your comments there. Let us know if you want more. Just remember, as always, if you've liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life.